Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hello, this is Robert Smigel coming to you today with Vancouver's podcast, a member of the Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Now, let's get ready to listen, discover, and engage. Lisa Shields is the Chief Executive Officer at Fizeband. Having founded the company in 2016, after listening to the pain points, businesses experienced utilizing bank services. As a visionary, CEO with an engineering background, Lisa guides Fizeband through attracting the right talent and building great products. Fizeband is based in Vancouver, BC, and is Lisa's second financial technology startup. She founded and led cross-border payouts company HyperWallet for 15 years. Recognized as a leading global payments platform, HyperWallet was acquired by PayPal 2018. Lisa is a member of the Canadian FinPay Committee and was named the EY Regional Entrepreneur of the Year in 2015. A firm believer in inclusive commerce, Lisa is always looking for new ways to unite ecosystem participants for the benefit of end users. Well, Lisa, welcome to Canada's podcast. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Happy to be here. Thanks for the intro. Awesome. Okay. I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, and give us the details on your current business. Sure. So um, originally from Toronto, Canadian born and bred, um, and a little bit more about Fispan. Um, as you said in the intro, it's my second uh, fintech startup, but we're now four and a half years uh, into this journey, and we're about 66 hardworking souls in downtown Vancouver. Uh, we service the largest global treasury banks. So our customers are the likes of JP Morgan Chase and a very large trillion dollar um, US financial institutions. So we have an interesting clientele, um, very early stages in the journey of this company, but super excited about the future. Your software must be very solid if you're dealing with those kind of customers, I guess, huh? You know, being my second rodeo, I knew from founding that you had to start with a culture of compliance and a culture of security and integrity. So yes, um, we have the best engineers right here in Vancouver, the best security team, the best infrastructure team. And uh, yeah, we plan to crush it from British Columbia. Yay, Vancouver. Awesome. Okay. Did you need financing to start your company? And how do you currently make money in the business now? Uh, Fispan is what's called a B2B SaaS company uh, in, in the technology realm. And so what that means is our customers who are banks, they pay us uh, a recurring revenue fee based on the number of businesses that we connect through our software to the bank. Um, so that's how we make money. Um, and you know, what we do is we embed the bank's services inside the business customers, ERPs and accounting systems to make banking seamless. Um, but to answer your question specifically, did we need financing to start and run this business? Oh yes, we are a venture backed technology company. 
So I've had, this is my, as I said, my second rodeo. So one of the things that we had to do at Biospan was go out right from the beginning and seek and secure capital from investors. Okay. I want you to give me a key piece of knowledge or information about your industry that our listeners can learn from. It's a pretty vast industry. There's a lot of moving parts and things, but if you can give us, drill it down to some basic components that uh, the common person can absorb, what would that be? So everybody, every one of your listeners um, is a user of banking and financial services. And at what in banking is called the retail sector. So individuals are called retail in banking and businesses are called business or corporate banking. So what everybody can understand is that the future of finance and the future of banking is integrated and embedded. And the easiest example to use is the oft, you know, the oft bandied about Uber example, where as a consumer, the payment and the financial uh, part of that transaction, of that activity, just goes away and melts away. And that's one of the innovations of Uber, right? You book it on your phone, you get into the Uber, and when you leave, you don't need to do anything. You give five stars at some later point and the payment goes away. That's embedded finance at work. Um, and so everybody understands that. What's new about Fispan and about our industry is embedded finance and embedded financial services delivery is very, very new concept for businesses. Business innovation in financial services tends to lag uh, consumer innovation in financial services by five to 10 years. Um, so that's the market we're in. In terms of the size, you know, Fispan's in, in, we're in a realm of part of what is a trillion dollar global industry. Uh, so massive, big, pick your poison, pick your vertical, and have at it. Okay. What is the long-term vision, and what will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas, and where beyond Vancouver, BC, or even Canada? Right from the beginning, Fispan was beyond Vancouver and beyond Canada. Right from the beginning, we established a strategy that we're going to go after international banks, so in other words, right from the beginning, our customers were international and global. Right now, most of our customers are in the United States, but we're expanding this year to you know, the UK, Europe, and Canada. So interestingly, in financial services, Canada is an expansion market, not my first market. Um, but in terms of your question about the business and where we're going to go, um, right from the beginning, we also had international contributors, like international employees, both in the U.S. and in Europe. And I see Fiaspan as a Vancouver anchor company, as the potential of being a Vancouver anchor company, meaning you know, thousands of employees as a global headquarters of a multinational organization. So that's the vision for the future, because, again, the market we're in is so massive global and nascent. Great. Okay. We've been talking a little bit about your business and we're going to, you kind of relate into the segue to my next question. And we want to talk about Vancouver now, what that means to you as a entrepreneur. I want you to tell me what are the biggest benefits for you and being an entrepreneur in Vancouver, BC. I want you to give us some of the good points about starting a company here. And I also want you to give us some of the tough things or challenges for our listeners so they can keep an eye out for them. 
the best thing by far in Vancouver is the talent, um, engineering talent, business talent, which we used to woe betide ourselves saying that we had a lot of great te technical talent, but we didn't really have a lot of business leadership in Vancouver to grow companies, you know, beyond 10 to 100 and 100 million dollars a year and then a billion dollars a year. I think that that's really changing. So the best part about Vancouver is fantastic access to talent across all areas of the business and the ability of the place to be a destination of choice for new talent. I'll give you an example of that. We've brought folks over from Brazil, from Ukraine, and sponsored them to relocate to Vancouver. And that's not a hard sell. So that's the best part about doing business in Vancouver. So people want to move here. So when you say, people hey, want you, want, you want to go live in a great place, the lifestyle and everything at your doorstep. Uh, it's an easy sell for someone to come yeah, from a different Yeah, if you, if you start a company that's interesting and has an interesting, you know, professional path for folks, then, you know, telling them, you know, you're not going to north of Whoop Whoop. You're coming to one of the world's great cities. Uh, and so that's, that's a great part of Vancouver. The tougher part about Vancouver is twofold. One, access to customers. Um, specifically, you know, there aren't a large number of large enterprise customers here. In my particular sector, there's not a lot of banks headquartered in Vancouver, right? Canadian banks are in Toronto, international banks are elsewhere. So access to customers for enterprise, you know, enterprise businesses like mine can be somewhat limited. And then secondly, as I'm sure you've heard from other entrepreneurs in, in this Vancouver or British Columbia segment, access to capital, it's a really small capital and financing uh, market here. And so that could be a tough slog. Okay. Now I want you to imagine if you're, now you're from Toronto, I want you to imagine you coming to Vancouver again to answer this question. If you were to start all over again and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, but this time you don't know anyone, knowing what you know now, what would you do and how would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? That's such an easy question because I actually did exactly what you just said. Um, so after, you know, growing up and living in Toronto, I actually spent the first 12 years of my career internationally. And when it came time to come home to Canada, so to speak, I landed in Vancouver without a single contact, without knowing anybody, you know, without a job. So I've had that experience and I had the experience of getting turned down for a credit card from a Canadian. Don't get me started. Um, but you know, my, so my advice, I've, I have actually great empathy for folks that come to work at Fivespan or another company in Vancouver um, and are a little bit lost in the marketplace. You know, the advice is really simple. It's you will take a hit in the level of your career um, simply because you don't have the network. But the one good, and so accept that you're going to take, you know, be two rungs down, further down the ladder in terms of anything in Vancouver. And it's tough to get started here. But the one great thing is so many people are, so much new blood is always coming into Vancouver and people are really energized in the sector and in the, in the city. So the time to recoup and you know, start to seed your ambitions is compressed in this market. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about you now. We've talked about the industry, we've talked about the company and talked about the good things, bad things about Vancouver. What does the first hour look like for you when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you get motivated to start your day? 
yeah, I don't need to get motivated. I'm a really boring person. My days are very, very set. I get up, I dog walk. I eat, I work. Uh, I work out, I dog walk. Uh, I work. And then I you know, finish the day and watch some kitten videos. But like the truth is, I am quite regimented. And you know, having large dogs and where I live in Kitsilano, um, how I unwind and wind up for the day are the same. You, know, you walk along the beautiful beach, you get some fresh air, um, you have some exercise, and you're ready to go. But in terms of getting motivated, I don't need to get motivated. Like, like what's going on in the business is just self-motivating. So I think I'm very lucky to have the best part of Vancouver. You sound like a very disciplined person, which is, I think, very critical for entrepreneurs. Um, the most critical, in my view, the most critical attribute is intestinal fortitude. Um, you can go away, woe is me, because you will have, you know, believe me, it hasn't all been sunshine and, and unicorns in my journey to get here. Um, so you go away, you compress, you sit on your, you, know, you take your lumps, cry for an hour and then get back up and get, get at it. So the ability to get up the next day and fight another battle is the most crucial thing. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique in a positive way or are wired differently? Um, the answer to both is no. You don't need to be wired differently. You don't need to be innately positive. because, And I know this for a fact because I am neither. I'm not innately positive and I'm not wired differently from anybody else. In fact, I wasn't born to be an entrepreneur. I came about it accidentally sort of halfway through my career. Um, so I think that's good news to folks. What you do need to do is recognize if you are neither of those things and develop uh, compensating, uh, compensating activities or compensating disciplines. Okay. Let's talk about your books that you're reading. What books are you reading now and why, or even audiobooks? And can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also aspiring entrepreneurs? I don't read um, books on entrepreneurship and like books like the classics, you know, Crossing the Chasm, um, you know, How to Grow a Sales Force. I read for either um, general knowledge about my market. Um, and the environment or pure pleasure and um, escapism. So I'm currently trying to get through a hard book actually called Crashed, How a Decade of the Financial Crisis Changed the World. And, um, you know, we've, at least those of us that are more than sort of 25 or 30 years old, have lived through 2008. And to come back now and look at it through that different lens, um, I find very interesting. But to escape, I read things like biographies of like Scott of the Antarctic and things like that. Um, the other kind of book that I really love to read, probably because, you know, I hate to say thriving on failures, but I love to read about businesses that didn't work out and, you know, people that didn't work out in businesses, um, you know, the tell-all of PayPal, for example. Those are highly amusing and useful to you if you're running a business. Any online or offline tools that you like to use on a daily basis to manage your company? Um, on a daily basis, absolutely. I um, use industry websites. I watch a lot of YouTube, uh, podcasts. Um, and the tool I use the most 
is um, actually LinkedIn and looking at jobs on competitors' sites. Because I find you get a lot of insight about the direction of a company from looking at its technical and product jobs. Okay, you know, you touched on this early, you know, Vancouver, British Columbia, very, very beautiful place to live. It's easy to attract talent and get them to move here, relocate. But more specifically for you, how do you balance work and how do you relax and not think about work? And what are your favorite activities to do in BC? Do you ski, do you bike, kayak, golf, hike, or simply go for a drive? I don't drive, don't have a car. Um, love not having a car. I'm I'm bike girl. So I've got a folding bike, a road bike, um, gonna get a mountain bike. So yes, I bike everywhere and I go for long bike rides on weekends. That's how I unwind. I love to do all the classic Vancouver things. I don't ski, I'm a big, you know, baby snowboarder, was a, a learning to kite and a windsurfer. So camping is British Columbia, right? Like I came to British Columbia for the outdoor world and that's what I like. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? If I wasn't doing what I do now? Yeah. I like, to, like joke. to do for Yeah. Yeah. I like to joke that I'd love to be a letter carrier. I'd love to be a letter carrier because you know you get your exercise at work and you know you get to meet people, but you don't have a boss staring down at you. But that's just a joke. Um, <laughs> honestly, if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, I actually I think I would like to be a working engineer again. Like actual coding is really, really fun. What kind of a job would you not like to do? Couldn't do it. Oh, there are so many. Um, I couldn't do a job where I had to meet and engage with the public every day because I think that that's exhausting. I certainly couldn't do a sales, full-time sales job. And I certainly couldn't do um, a back office operations job. Okay. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? <laughs> Um, I, I like to use simple sentences and simple words. In fact, you know, I have words like it's a joke at five span. We have banned words. What we're not allowed to use is any words that, you know, dress you up and try and make you sound smart, like orthogonal to objectives or the secular trend we follow. The simple word I use a lot is best and not as in, you know, Melania Trump be best. But as in, how are we going to be the best vendor for our banks? Or what is the next most important thing for us to do to move towards our goal um, of being the best company to work for everyone, for example? So I use simple, small words because I am a simple, small person. What is your least favorite word or sentence you do not like to hear? I hate to hear things like, like platitudes, relentless focus on the customer. Like, of course, everyone has, if you don't have relentless focus on the customer, then you shouldn't be in business. So you don't need to think yourself fabulous about it. But more generally, anything that Sarah Cooper wrote in her blog post about like the hundred ways to appear really, really smart in meetings. I mean, if you haven't seen that, go look at it. It's hilarious. Um, you know, will that scale? Um, What's the ROI on this? Uh, these are things that drive me nuts. 
Anything pretentious drives me nuts. Okay. Okay. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Um, yeah, I've heard you on other podcasts. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to get asked this question. I better prepare for it. Um, one is capable because I do think I am capable and will, will take things, you know, get them done and have, you know, have had some success and um, I'm good at making other people capable and successful. But the second word, actually, you know, earlier in my life, I would have said things like, oh, smart. Oh, you know, relentless. But the second one is actually nice. And I hope, I think I'm nice. And I think I care about other people. And don't know if everybody would describe me as nice, but I think I'm nice. Not soft, but nice. Uh, anything keeping you up at night? I, everything keeps me up at night. You know, you, when you're running a business, when you're running a technology startup, you have a stack, like first in, like, and, and the things that keep you up at night work their way to the top of the stack uh, for what you're worrying about on any per, you know, any particular night. But personally, um, you know, what keeps me up at night sometimes is, is personal anxiety about like, am I optimizing my contribution to this, you know, to my business as it evolves? And the second thing fundamentally, like, like sometimes what keeps you up at night is like the, you know, the fire drill du jour, but that's probably less interesting to folks than, you know, some of the things that really cause me I don't want to say anxiety, but you do sometimes wake up and think about fundamental market shifts. And am I establishing the right sort of ratio of focus on long-term, long-term positioning of the business versus like the hand-to-hand -hand combat about selling what we've got in the selling what we've got in the hopper? So those are the sort of things that I actually, actually literally sometimes do wake up at night about. Okay, I want you to give us the top three things on your inspired life list. This could be if you want to uh, travel more, philanthropy, biography, anything in particular that you'd like to do on an inspired life list? Inspired life list, um, yeah, I actually think that I would love to find a route in the future um, to help the next generation of technology entrepreneurs. Um, probably not by being dispensing business law, you know, business. Um, advice so much as more being an agony aunt. So I'd, I'd love to figure out a path to transition to something where you can be useful, like through the whole cycle without, you know, working 60 hours a week. And the second thing is, I would love to bike around, bike and ah, camp around. Yeah. yeah. Not get in a helicopter, not be fabulous. Just get on your bicycle and go around. The that would be exciting. That would be, that would be awesome. A lot of work and you'd be getting in great shape. That's for sure. Okay. Do you have any advice that you may have received that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout Canada? <laughs> um, a couple of a couple of bits of advice that I got probably later in my career than I should have is um, advice number one, especially in this digital age, is pick up the phone and have a conversation instead of sending an email. Or you know, having a Zoom call, or 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 you know, sending out a piece of text, have an actual conversation, which is hard to do when you're an introvert. Um, and the second is try to try to leverage rejection and like not just learn from rejection, but actually try to use rejection instead of wallowing in it. And those are the two things that um, I've had a, a, as advice. You know, while I'm in the midst of things, 
And, you know, years later, when it kind of sits down and settles, those things actually, if you take those two things and apply them, actually talk to people um, along your journey instead of digitally engaging with them. And when you are rejected, try and use it instead of wallowing in it. Awesome. Great advice. Okay, Lisa, are you ready to have some fun? Have at it. Okay. So entrepreneurs, as you know, are always connected, always online. We got multiple things, people, staff, clients, you name it, are always connected and dealing with things. We're going to take you away from that. There's a small tropical island just off Fiji that only has one phone booth there. There is no internet. This place does exist. We're going to drop you off there. You won't have a computer or smartphone or tablet. You can use the phone booth located at any time to call the boat. We'll come pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call? And what would you do while you were there? Mm -hmm. um, I think I would last 21 days. 21? Um, Good. As long, and if there's a tropical island, I, I absolutely would be happy to, uh, I think it would last 21 days because I think that's the time length that I personally would have before I would absolutely need human contact. Okay. So that's the answer to question number one. I'd last 21 days. As long as I didn't run out of food, you didn't talk. To no, me you have food. There. Yeah. Yeah. You have food. Everything's there. It's just no internet. Oh, huh. yeah. Everything's there. Everything's there. Yeah. Okay, so if I didn't starve to death and I no. had food, I would totally last 21, maybe longer days. I would swim. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't have a book is what you said. I don't have a book. Oh, yeah, you can take a book. You can take anything you want. Just no internet. Can I change my answer? I might be there longer. <laughs> you can do that. Sure. You could uh, uh, change. You just, you know, you remember, you got a business to run, so. Might be oh, I still have a business to run. You still oh, have everything going. Yeah, we're just disconnecting you from the grid for on a trop beautiful tropical island in, in Fiji. Oh, okay. Well, then I have to change my answer. It's not 21 days. Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, actually, I, I think I probably still would last 14 days because okay. uh, because I have you know such confidence in my team. And quite frankly, at the stage of the business is that the CEO is responsible for money and peace. and. Uh, you know, I'm sort of, uh, what is it called? Access to requirements on an operational basis. Oh, I mean, if such place does exist uh, and, and you, you can actually get me there. Yeah, it uh, does exist. Hook me up. <laughs> okay. Lisa, we're going to wrap things up. How can our listeners get hold of you? Is there anything you would like to add before you leave us today? Yeah, so if folks want to get in touch with me, um, you can find me at fivespan.com or on LinkedIn. Slash Lisa was here. Um, yeah, I think that the last thing I'd like to say to everyone is I really hope that in under six months we can start to meet face to face in Vancouver, and um, you know, lots of opportunities to build a great, great finance sector here in, in the city. So, hope to meet some of, some of your listeners face to face. Awesome. Okay, Lisa, thank you for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you. And I'm sure our listeners have as well. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. We'll see you next time.